Well, Major Burns has something to say. What is it? He'd like you to start the meeting right away. He has to be back on post-op duty in half an hour. You're in very high voice today, Frank. Maybe you should loosen your shorts. These men are thirsty, Dr. Nosenheimer. I didn't have to study medicine for seven years to know the prescription for thirst is water. My mother used to smack me when I got sick. She used to smack me when I got well, too. A young man should know how to protect himself. Oh, I'll be okay, sir. I study karate. Hey! Hey, MASH fans, it's time for another episode of the MASH 4077th Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Kenny, and joining me as usual is my good pal, Simon. Gentlemen and ladies. And returning, finally, is the (laughs) ever-popular Al. Hi, guys. (laughs) Did you miss me? (laughs) On today's episode, we're discussing Season 4, Episode 13, Soldier of the Month. It's the 85th episode overall, directed by Gene Reynolds, written by Linda Bloodworth, originally aired on November 28, 1975, and the production code is G514. First of all, let me say I appreciate how tired you all are. Unfortunately, until we find out what's causing this fever thing, we're going to have to keep working around the clock. Any news from the lab at Seoul, Colonel? Well, the Mulcahy's down there now on R&R. Rest in resurrection. I'm hoping he'll come back with some new info. Meantime, we can expect more fever patients by tonight. We're running out of beds now. I'm for doubling up. I bet. I'm just that kind of guy. Can I break in with a little trivia about the subject? Doctor? How do you deal with a disease that doesn't even have a name? No antibiotics at work. Nothing we can do but supportive care. Yeah, whatever happened to the good old days? Artery transplants, resecting intestines, something we could sink our teeth into. I guess all that went out with good taste, Frank. And the amazing plot summary for this episode involves a case of hemorrhagic fever that Frank has, and he's completely delirious, and he dictates his will, which enrages Margaret when she has only left all of his clothing. How nice of him, even his underpants. (laughs) Meanwhile, to boost morale, the camp holds a Soldier of the Month contest with Hawkeye and BJ as the judges. The award includes a week of R&R in Tokyo... And Klinger and Radar go all out to win the honor. Also, morale has become a problem. But I have something here that I think might be helpful in picking people up. It's a War Department directive for a Soldier of the Month contest. Some lucky enlisted man will get to spend six days in Tokyo. Wow. All you have to do is win the war in 25 words or less. What, they send all the guys over for six days? And stop the fighting? Have you ever seen a general in an unemployment office? Candidates will be judged on dress and deportment. Finalists will be given an oral quiz on historical knowledge. Announce this and have everyone bone up. Yes, sir. The judge, by order of HQ, will be second in command, Major Burns. I heard that. Um, You know, I've never been to Tokyo, sir. But it sure has been a pet dream of mine ever since I was a tiny little soldier. Down radar. Right. I think this is an excellent directive. Nothing is too good for the men. I guess that's why they get so much of it. Nice to hear you come out in favor of the enlisted, Major. Well, of course. I may be higher in rank, but we all zip our pants the same way. Why do I feel this meeting is over? Dismissed! And guest stars on this episode, of course, William Christopher plays Father Francis Mulcahy. 
And we have Johnny Hamner returns as Sergeant Zelmo Zell. Zelmo. I love that name, Zelmo. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, Jeff Maxwell is back as Igor Straminsky. Another fever case. His temperature's very high. He's got chills and a severe headache. A thousand cc's. Who ordered this? What's it to you, friend? Frank, don't you think maybe it's time we started cutting down on fluids? These men are thirsty, Dr. Nosenheimer. I didn't have to study medicine for seven years to know the prescription for thirst is water. Yeah, but look at the kidney output. He's taken in two liters today, and he hasn't produced enough to water Aunt Martha's petunias. His kidneys have shut down, Frank. Acute renal failure. These men are dehydrated from the fever, which is why we're giving them fluids in the first place. Well, even you understand that, don't you, Major? You don't look at all well, Frank. Well, you stay up all night slicing cheese for rat traps. Pierce! Now, that one's all right. His temperature's almost normal. He's also in shock. Acute renal shutdown. We gotta get both these guys to the 121st hospital. That's 50 miles away. That's where the kidney machine is, Frank, and they don't have a long cord. All right, let's go ahead and discuss this episode. Al, since you're returning, why don't you start us off? (laughs) Well, I didn't think it was a great episode. But the funny thing is, on on the uh, on the uh, DVDs that I have mm-hmm. on all the seasons, but this one, it included the laugh track. But on on this episode and a few more episodes in this season, there was no laugh track. And I thought, wow, it's much better. It's That's weird that you very actually. Bizarre. Yeah, it yeah. is. It is. Well, I got mine at Costco. What do you want? <laughs> 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 but the but it's weird because you would think that you know having a canned laugh. And specific places would help you understand the jokes a little bit or maybe get them a little bit better. But no, I actually appreciated it more without the laughter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All, every episode I watch is, is laugh track free. Yeah. Well, that's so, good. Yeah. So now you just get to enjoy it the way we enjoy it. No laugh tracks. See, <laughs> I, I'm gone for a while and, and miracles happen. There you go. Yeah. Well, I mean, I didn't think it was a terrific episode. It's, it's definitely not the worst episode. Of MASH ever, but it's not one of the best. Uh, I, I kind of thought it was, you know, intriguing with the with the mystery fever um, and, uh, you know, the fact that Frank was in charge of rumor control. I really can't accept. Oh, I'm already in charge of rumor control. I've heard that. <laughs> That's kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> I heard that, yeah. Um, it, it, one, one question I did have, though, with Potter's wife, her measurements... Are 42, 36, 42? I better put this in the company safe. Combination radar? Uh, your wife's measurement, sir. Right. 42, 36, 42. Holy crow. <laughs> That's kind of a weird-looking woman. That's what no my wife said. Like she, she, I watched it with my wife, and she turned around and said the exact same thing. Yeah. It's like hourglass. Yeah, a big, 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 big hourglass. That's more like a day glass. I don't know. Yeah. But you know, when when uh, when Frank when Frank is sick, I always, for some reason, I always feel sorry for Frank when he's sick and you know, kind of delirious. Oh, you know the doctors. I don't really like being one, you know. I mean, I wouldn't mind being a doctor if I didn't have to be around sick people. People don't like being sick either, Frank. My mother used to smack me when I got sick. She used to smack me when I got well, too. Just rest, Frank, and don't talk. Oh, sure. I know. You don't want to talk to me. Nobody ever did. The only one who talked to me in high school was the janitor. 
He used to show me his pictures of heavyweight champs. He was the last person who liked me. We like you, Frank. Ah, oh, you're just saying that because you feel sorry for me. Not at all. I haven't felt sorry for you since we sewed up the legs on all your jockey shorts. Oh, it's all right. Now that I'm dying, you can fess up. Do you really like me? You're not really dying, Frank. Do you? Let me put it this way, Frank. If we were the last two people left on Earth, I'd never forget to send you a Christmas card. Real pals. I think it's at that time that he lets you see the real Frank. You know, mm. the, the insecurities, the, you know, the, the fact that uh, he, he does, at the end of the day, I think he does love his wife, but he loves Hot Lips, too. Right? Well, it's just kind of weird. Yeah. And uh, I have a question. How many times does Hot Lips have to hear Frank, when he's out of it, go on about his wife like that? My car, my house, all the money I buried in my backyard goes to the only woman who ever really cared, ever really understood. My wife, Louise. Mm. And every time she hears him do it, she acts surprised and hurt. Uh, you, you, don't you think that by yes. now? Yeah. She'd she would either be used to it or break up with them over yeah, it. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Um, and, and one other thing that I, I, I didn't really appreciate so much was at the very end, Radar coming in drunk and disorderly. You know, I, I just that's kind of out of character for him with no explanation at all as to why he went on a bender like that. I just, I thought that was kind of out of place. Hmm. See, I actually enjoyed that scene just for the fact that it was fun seeing him drunk. Oh, yeah. I, I um, always liked seeing that. You know, it was his first time in Tokyo, and he mm -hmm. took, you know, I'm sure they took him under his wing, and and he did things that he probably wouldn't have done otherwise. <laughs> so, you know. Yeah. Those aren't great knee highs. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. I mean, I have in my notes, it was an okay episode. I enjoyed it. I didn't think it was anything to write home about. Um, I did enjoy Hawkeye's whole rat speech. My friends, some men are born great, others achieve greatness, and others are destined to work with rats. I would like to nominate someone who is eminently qualified, a man who was born for this job, a man who can look a rat in the eye and meet him on his own terms. I give you Major Frank Burns. Will anyone second this notion? Here, here. Oh yeah. You know that was that was some some good writing and very funny. Um, and uh, I will admit that I kind of felt a bit of sympathy for Frank. Um, <laughs> Make note of this, people. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but you're right. When he's when he's either drunk or when he's you know delirious, he's he's truer to who he is, and he is such an insecure person. In his life, and, and you know, people are, are you know, because his wife obviously controls the relationship. Um, he's just a very weak man, and you know, everybody's going at him, and that's why he lashes out, and that's why he is the horrible person that he is. I think it's more of a protection than it is of anything else. Oh yeah, it's like a vicious circle. Yeah. So I mean, I do have sympathy for him. Doesn't mean I like him. And in some of these episodes, I really, really disliked him. But in this one, I actually felt a bit of sympathy. So I'll give you that much. <laughs> but uh, overall, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't like I said. It wasn't anything great. But it, you know, it was enjoyable. It was. Uh, it was fine. And I did like the whole, um, you know, with um, Klinger writing all the answers on his body. Klinger, what famous Civil War hero said? Damn the torpedoes! Full steam ahead. 
And please try to answer with uh, less than the seven basic ballet movements. I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Tugarat. Tugarat. <laughs> That's Farragut. He said it backwards. Aha. Uh -huh. <laughs> True or false? You can reach the high notes of the Star Spangled Banner by standing on your toes. That ain't part of the test. Yes, but how did you know? He's cheating. He's got the answers written all over. I am not. Those are tattoos. Leave me alone. No wonder he knows history like the back of his hand. You know, and it was really cool because I think Raider actually did win because he knew the most of the answers and, you know, he didn't cheat like Klinger did. Right. Um, but, yeah, it was uh, – it, overall, it was fine. How about you, Meds? Uh, yeah, I, I actually really liked the episode. Um, I just found it, you know, I laughed quite a lot all the way through, so it ticked all the boxes of comedy. Although, uh, you know, th <laughs> there are some things that don't stand out, a bit like what Al said about um, Radar coming in drunk at the end. And, and also, Margaret, when she, she wants um, his will changed and, and asks Father Mulcahy to do it. Frank, have you made out a will? Well, why do I need a will if I'm not going to die? Everybody has to die sometime, Frank. Why do you think they give officers a break? You ought to dictate a will to Father Mulcahy. Not that you're not all right, but just in case something happens and you don't get to stay all right for much longer. I don't think that's in character either. That, I don't think she would do that. She'd be annoyed by it, and, you know, she'd sort of like roll her eyes and maybe hit him, but I don't think she'd go that far where... She'd get a priest, well, you know, a man of the cloth, to go and change his change his will. It just didn't seem right, and I didn't like that. Um, but there's some nice, again, some nice BJ lines in here. Again, what we said earlier on about I had in charge of rumor control, and this as I heard that. Um, <laughs> his look when Frank admits his affair with Hot Lips. Can I share a secret with you? It's up to you. Promise you won't tell. Across our cardiograms. Margaret and I are dating. I mean, it's almost like a, you know, a bewildered look of, wow, he's actually, you know, admitting it. Um, but, um, yeah, and at the end as well, what a fantastic punch from, you know, from Margaret onto Frank. There was one thing I noticed. When, when Frank passes out in the tent, when he falls backwards, he's done half smack his head on that piece oh, of wood. Oh, I know. And so you really hear it as well. Just because a person needs to faint, I... And I thought, oh man, that, and their reaction is kind of, you can see that they, they are wondering, think, oh god, I hope he's alright there, because he was a cracker of a, uh, cracker of a smack. But no, I, I, I liked it. I, I, the only thing that annoys me, I noticed on these, these early ones with uh, Mike Farrell, is the cropped titles at the beginning, where they kind of like, you know, it's, and, and I know it is the same all the way through the rest of the series, where they've, they're cutting out um, Trapper. From the helicopter, mm, yeah, it just annoys me slightly because I think, come on, it, would it cost them that much money to just redo a you know a, a title sequence? We wouldn't cost that much, I don't think. Well, maybe um, yeah, not today, but but you know, back in the seventies, it probably did. Well, yeah, but they, they, I suppose so. Yeah, I don't really would it cost that much money? I mean, they are, they do film bits on the helipad anyway, so couldn't they just think, okay, well, let's mm. just film this one bit now and. No, and I don't get know. It out of the way. I don't know. That was like thirty years before my time. So, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, yeah, I they, they could have gone back and reshot, you know, yeah. that. But they figured they edited and it it works. So why bother, you know? Yeah. It seems both the Japanese and the Russian soldiers came down with this very same kind of fever, same symptoms, everything, in northern Manchuria during the late thirties. Oh, what was it, Father? What are we dealing with? It was a Japanese American. Uh, Nisei, who was going through some old Japanese medical journals when he came across the name 
hemorrhagic fever. And he realized that we're dealing with the same thing. The doctors then were just as perplexed as you are now. Great. We know what to call it. Only we don't know how to cure it. There isn't a cure. The only treatment is common sense medicine. Well, that leaves out Frank. Well, wait, wait. There's more. You must be very, very careful to restrict fluids. You see, the fever often causes the kidneys to shut down. It seems that if enough fluids accumulate, a man can actually drown in his own tissues. Can you imagine that? So we were right. Thanks for the confirmation, Father. The confirmation is my middle name. <laughs> so let's go ahead and move on to some behind the scenes. I will start us off here. Hawkeye and BJ walk into post-op and see a man asleep in a chair. Hawkeye points to the man and says to BJ, Used to be Albert Anastasia's doorman. Implying that the man was on guard when Anastasia was murdered. The Korean War ended in 1953, whereas Anastasia was murdered in 1957. Oops. Oops. (laughs) (laughs) When Colonel Potter announces the Soldier of the Month contest, he says it is a directive from the War Department. Between the end of World War II and the outbreak of the Korean War, the departments of war and the uh, and of the Navy had been merged to form the Department of Defense, DOD. Hmm. Uh, this is the first mention of Korean hemorrhagic fever. Uh, it would come back to play the 477th in the episode Mr. and Mrs. Who. And as Al mentioned earlier, the combination to Potter's safe is Mildred's measurements, 423642. Wow. gentlemen since your official judge Major Burns is really not well uh, I have been given both the great privilege and dubious honor of replacing him Uh, you may stand just take your seats my associate judge Captain B.J. Honeycutt who was instrumental in last year's selection of Miss Junior Puberty and Miss Gutterball thank you fan You are here to take this historical quiz because you have surpassed your colleagues in dress and deportment. How, we'll never know. But that is not for small minds to ponder. And Lord knows there are enough of those around. Got a new hair coming in, Klinger? Sir, I have something to say. I yield the floor to Miss Virgin Islands. I hope the judge is taking into consideration I am presenting myself in full uniform right down to my underwear which for the first time since I've been in the service is of the correct kind for a person of my sex and or gender. Sit down. Let's get on with it before I forget what I learned. Shouldn't be too hard for you, pea brain. Hey, look. Strike those two from Miss Congeniality. Now, name this country's first president and the city in which he took the oath of office. Ooh, I know. Quiet, would you? I can't think. Sir? Radar. Uh, uh, um, George Washington. He was the first and... uh, he had wooden teeth. Right. And every time he told a lie, they chopped one out. And he was sworn in in New York. Very good. Half point for Klinger, half point for Radar. I knew that. Now, what famous symbol of American freedom has a crack in it? And it is not General MacArthur's head. A crack in it. Sir! The Liberty Bell! Very good, Radar. Oh, uh, Sergeant Zale. Many of the settlers who came to California in 1848 were searching for what? Palm trees. How the hell do I know? I'm from Brooklyn. Igor. I thought there were going to be refreshments here. Wrong. And now back to our acrobat, Klinger. Uh, I lost track, sir. Do I have to answer that one, sir? If you can. 
Uh, what number question is that, sir? I don't know. I'm mixing them up. You can't do that, sir. I learned history from the beginning. <laughs> Next question. All right, you can find MASH 4077 all over the internet. You can find us at Facebook, www.facebook.com slash MASH 4077 podcast. And you can follow us on Twitter at MASH 4077 podcast. And you can follow me at Hawkeye Mids. You can find me, Kenny, at Geeky Fanboy. And I am at Tales Podcast. And we have a website and you can find that at www.mash4077podcast.com. We have a blog. You can find that at www.mash4077podcast.blogspot.com. And if you ever find yourself wanting to give us an email, you can send those to mash4077podcast at gmail.com. Why not come along and spend some of your hard-earned money at our MASH online store? And that's at www.zazzle.com slash mash4077podcast. And you can hear the MASH 4077 podcast on Stitcher Smart Radio. Stitcher allows you to listen to your favorite shows directly from your smart devices, on demand and on the go. Don't have Stitcher? Download it for free today at stitcher.com or in your app store and search for MASH 4077 Podcast. All right, so that's going to do it for this episode. Um, I think Meds liked it more than Al and I, but we all enjoyed it. I think so, too. But I think Meds Meds enjoyment may have had something to do with the garden party he went to. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, on that note, I'm Kenny. I'm Simon. And I'm Chucky Beaver. (laughs) We'll be seeing you. Colonel Potter? That's right. I've got a package for you, sir. Oh, hi. The charges, sir. Charges? Drunk and disorderly? Radar, you've never been drunk before. It sort of made me disorderly, sir. You tried to drink the ink at a tattoo parlor? Swam 50 laps in an eight-foot bathhouse tub? I'll look after this. Thank you. Yes, girl. Take care, Leonard. Give my best to your wife. Radar. (laughs) Radar. Our soldier of the month. How can we ever stay in the contest? You're right. I'd be tough to follow. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Sherm, do you know where a guy could get a drink around here? Jeez, I can't even wink. <laughs> My name is Al. And I'm Joyce. And we're, we're huge, huge Disneyland, Disneyland fans. fans. In fact, we love the Disneyland Resort so much, we host a podcast dedicated to the happiest place on earth to share that passion with others. That's right. On our show, Tales from the Mouse House Disneyland Podcast, we share current resort news. Some tips and tricks we've learned over the years to help make your Disneyland Resort vacation the most magical experience ever. We uncover little-known and often-overlooked gems we like to call hidden treasures, and even review the attractions and places to eat that make the Disneyland Resort so much fun. And if that wasn't enough, we even share some video episodes to help keep you in that Disney magic state of mind. If you're a longtime fan of the Disneyland Resort, or you've just recently discovered the magic, this podcast is for you. 
You can find Tales from the Mouse House Disneyland podcast at www.talescast.com and in iTunes. And remember, make, make it, it a, a Mickey, Mickey day. That was a scene in California's Mojave Desert five years ago. Our historic first view of the newcomer's ship. Theirs was a slave ship carrying a quarter million beings bred to adapt and labor in any environment. But they've washed ashore on Earth with no way to get back to where they came from. And in the last five years, the newcomers have become the latest addition to the population of Los Angeles. Alienation, the newcomers podcast, is a fan cast devoted to the groundbreaking but short-lived TV series Alienation. This series tackles social issues like racism, bigotry, and intolerance with an alien twist. Each month, we will bring you a podcast dedicated to a single episode. The host will give you their thoughts on the episode, as well as some little-known behind-the-scenes information. So please subscribe to Alienation, the newcomer's podcast on iTunes, or visit our website at alienationpodcast.com. Hey there, MASH fans, this is Meds. Now, as you know, both myself, Al and Kenny have our own individual podcasts, and mine is called Waffle on Podcast, and we talk about classic television programs and films from around the world. So if you think that's your cup of tea, or cup of coffee, whichever you like, then come over to iTunes and type in Waffle on Podcast. Or, of course, you can go to our main site, which is at Podbean. So just type in waffleon.podbean.com. We would be honoured if you join us. MASH 4077 Podcast is a Geeky Fanboy production and has a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, works 3.0 United States license. All rights reserved. On today's episode, we're discussing Season 4, Episode 13, Soldier of a... And uh, Jeff, uh, Jeff Mack... Used to be Al... Used to be Albert... Uh, mm. 